We're glad you joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church here in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Created for Glory, Redeemed by Grace. And today we're going to be challenged together by the second part of a message called Developing a Christ-Exalting Marriage. Let's turn our attention to God's Word. Man will never, a man in marriage will never accomplish God's full purposes for his life without a dynamic woman. There's just no way. I can tell you even right now what a blessing Jensen has been in my life so many times and how God has used her uh, to speak into my life, to speak truth into my life, to speak encouragement into my life, to uh, give me feedback. I think of how many times she's given me feedback about raising our kids um, and, and coming home and, and, and me engaging with our boys. And she's like, well, honey, honey, keep this in consideration. Make sure you bring the gospel into your, uh, to your response to them. And, and I just so appreciate the help and the partnership that she has brought into our marriage. In fact, I would quite easily say, as I've said many times, I don't think there would be a Harvest Bible Chapel Columbus if it wasn't for my wife. Uh, many of you know her. You know her love for people. You know her a passion uh, for the gospel. She is my partner in every way and has helped me to do my part in uh, what is our church today. Now, you might have this question, which is a very legitimate question. Okay, Pastor, that's all good and great, but, but what if my husband has no interest in following Jesus Christ? Or what if he is a, uh, a very immature follower of Jesus Christ? Or what if he, what if he doesn't even care? Well, I realize that, um, first off, I want to say I'm sorry to you because I realize as a man standing here and speaking from God's word, um, it's hard for you to hear someone else say just you need to follow your husband when when he's not taking you anywhere and he's not caring for you and he's not sacrificially loving you and he is the last thing that you would think of when you think of uh, the model of jesus christ who came and laid down his life for us so i, I want to gently say to you that i i hear what you're saying i hear what you're thinking i hear what you're feeling but i want you to know that god is also aware of what you're thinking and, and god knows that husbands can be um you know, a head case at times. Let me give you uh, something you can do when you turn over in your Bible to First Peter chapter 3. Uh, God's word, the wisdom in the heart of God to know that there would be scenarios like this. I think he speaks right to what you're mentioning here. And I don't want you to, again, miss the joy in following and submitting to your husband. I, I want to say this for a minute before we open that text. But submission is not something that's entirely directed toward wives. As a husband, I'm called to submit to Jesus Christ. Every one of us in the church are called to a submit to varying peoples in the church, whether it be to the elders or within even the elder board, mutual submission. And my role is submitting to our elders. I want you to know that submission is a regular part of being a believer in Jesus Christ. And um, I realize in a marriage, it looks different than in the church. But all of us are called, and I, you know, when I think of submitting to leaders, I don't think of it as a negative thing. I think uh, sometimes our culture has a desire for independence, and then as Americans, we kind of have a natural bend toward resisting leadership or a natural distrust of leaders. And I, there's probably some good reasons for that, but I also realize that we're missing something in the heart of God when we resist authorities. I believe, if you look at Scripture, that God uses authorities to bring blessings. 
Now, that doesn't always work out the way it should, and clearly we live in a sin-stained world, uh, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is about our greatest authority seeking our best interest in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ, the Son, God himself, coming to lay down his life for fallen creatures. And when I, uh, I can tell you a number of times how I view submission as a very positive thing. I view of following leadership as a very positive thing. And not that I haven't had painful experiences, but I believe that God uses authorities. I believe that God uses authorities even when they don't want to be used. I believe God uses authorities even when they um, are trying hard not to be used. I believe God uses authorities to be a blessing. Scripture says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And I believe that God can even use the mistakes of a leader to be a blessing to the people under authority. They may not feel it in the moment, but God is using the people, the authorities, the government leaders, the, your employer, your, all of the church leaders who are all fallen and mistake prone. But God is using them to bring blessing. I want to encourage you to look at uh, following leadership as a positive, not a negative. But what do we do when what do we do when they are negative? What do we do? Well, what am I supposed to do as a wife? If I'm a wife, what am I supposed to do? Well, my husband isn't obeying the Lord. Let me draw your attention here again to First Peter chapter three, verse one. It says this: Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word. They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. I want to go uh, phrase by phrase or even a couple word by word here. Notice it says here at the beginning, it's defining husbands who uh, do not obey the word. Now, maybe your text says um, uh, is not a believer. Now, it's, this text here is, is going at a couple different people when it says this person, this husband who does not obey the word. Uh, word in the Greek is logos. Does not obey the word, the gospel, uh, the authority of God through his word. Now, certainly, probably the biggest and most natural application here in the text is to a non-believing husband. Uh, Christian wives uh, in Peter's day who were uh, married to husbands that did not obey the word. I think of uh, the book of Timothy, um, Lois and Eunice, who uh, most likely, that would be uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, uh, who were most likely married to non-believers. But also I would say this text really applies to every husband, both non-believer and a believer. Notice that it says in the text, disobedient to the gospel. Listen, I can tell you, even as a believing husband who's growing in my sanctification as a pastor, there's times where I disobey the word. I'm still a sinner. I'm still growing in my sanctification as the Holy Spirit works in my life. And, and I would tell you wives who have husbands that are obeying the word, whether they're very mature, uh, praise God for that, or they're very immature. Maybe they're a brand new believer and they're still growing in their faith. I want to encourage you, this text is for you. It's talking to any wife of any husband that's disobeying the word of God in any way. Now, before I go any further here, I want to just ask you wives this question. What is the greatest desire that you have or greatest desires you have for your husband? What is the greatest longing of your heart for your husband. Now, maybe if I were to say that and say, could you give me a list of five things you wish were different about your husband? I'm sure most, most of you 
uh, could come up with a list, just like probably I'm sure men could for their wives, right? And you could list off, well, I wish he was like this. I wish he was home on time. I wish he were more punctual. I wish he were more fun. I wish he were more laid back. I wish he were more intense. I wish he were more, we could come up with a list of that. Okay, and all the things you wish were different. But here's the thing that I would say should be, in many cases, probably is your greatest desire already for your husband. The greatest desire you should have for your husband is that he is an active follower of Jesus Christ. The greatest desire you should have is not that he would become a little more sensitive or a little uh, more this, or a little more of that. The greatest desire of your heart is that he should be obedient to the word of God, to the authority of Jesus Christ, to Jesus Christ himself. That's the uh, basis here that we're going through in this text. Peter says, don't, he's not worried about all the peripheral things in marriage, although those things are important at various times. He's saying the number one thing about your husband is where he is with the word of God. Notice he says uh, the need for a wife here next. Notice, look back at the text. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. That's the same word as submission in the Greek. So you could say be in submission to your own husbands or be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, here it is, they may be one without a word. And notice there it says may be one, may be one over. Why don't you jot this down in your notes? Uh, the second point here. God calls wives to walk by faith through spirit-filled submission to her husband's leadership. Uh, but God calls wives to walk by faith through gospel-centered influence in her marriage and her home. And maybe you're uh, just thinking, well, I'm so aware of so many areas that my husband is, is not living the way he should, or maybe he's not a believer. He wants nothing to do with Jesus Christ or only at Christmas and Easter, but he has no significant desire to honor the word of God. And I'd say, ouch, on the one hand, that's hard, but also praise God because God has put you as an evangelist uh, for the good news of Jesus Christ in his life. I want you to think for a moment, if you fully embrace your, your calling as a, as a helpmate, as a lover, as a, a person that's to be encouraging and helping him in his own sanctification, uh, now take you out of the picture. Is he in a better place? Does he have a, someone who will be able to even model the gospel to him in any way? As I said before, my wife has been, uh, in many ways, such an instrumental influence in my own life, uh, not just in uh, studying God's word and, and talking together about that, but living it out. I think something that comes right out of the text here is the, the necessity of a wife influencing her husband. And I would, I would tell you, wives, if, if your husband's not a believer, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that God's going to use your life as, I, I know we've prayed over a number of requests as we pray over your prayer requests every week. Women put in there, you know, I need, I need my husband. I want his heart to change. I want, and, and, and my hope is that God is going to answer prayer and do just that. But I also want to say this, when your husband comes to Christ or for all of the rest of you wives here who have believing husbands, uh, listen to me when I say, your husband still needs your influence toward God's word. And many, many times wives uh, intuitively are, are grasping God's word and getting a hold of it in a way their husband, I don't know of us guys, or maybe we're just a little bit slower, okay? We're just a little bit slower sometimes in picking it up. And God used wives to be able to influence their husbands uh, toward greater following of Jesus Christ. What an awesome thing. What an awesome, awesome thing. 
So God is looking to you, wives, and he's saying, listen, listen, I need your help in winning your husband to greater following of my son, Jesus Christ. I need your help in this. I want you to be the instrument that helps to win him over. Maybe not the only one, but probably the biggest one. Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church Columbus. If you're listening to Meeting with God, you're clearly interested in God's Word. You know, one of the great joys of my life is seeing people grow together in God's Word on a weekly basis, and these messages are a part of our weekend services. If you don't have a church family, let me invite you to join us this weekend. Our church home is located in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. Details are available at verticalchurch.life. Let me step back here and say I think there's really two ways for a wife to influence her husband. Both of them um, will have varying degrees of success, have of impact in various ways. Let me, let me just ask you to think about this. There's two ways you can influence your husband. You can do it your way, or you can do it God's way. If a wife chooses to do it God's way, as we're going to read about here in a second, God's spirit will work through you. However, if you do it your way and your power and your capacity, the results may, you may in the short term be able to wrangle your husband in and get him to do what you want. But in the end, God's spirit will not be able to work the same way. Let me first look at some ways, uh, wives, I hope we can have some humility here and in, in just looking at some of the ways wives influence their husbands uh, their own way and things that I would plead with you wives uh, to let these go. Don't, don't, don't try to do this uh, the wrong way. Now, the first way is to use your words. Too many words. Now, notice in a second, it's going to say in the text that a wife is to win her husband without a word. That doesn't mean you don't ever talk to your husband. It doesn't mean you ever suggest things. Uh, what it's talking about is using words as the only or primary way of bringing your husband along toward conversion or toward actively following a Jesus Christ as a husband. Let me just look at a couple ways, though, that sometimes wives do it their own way and ways that are not helpful. I read an article by a pastor, a Colin Smith. He's from the Chicagoland area, and he wrote nine ways that married women manipulate their husbands. Now, I'm going to be a little softer than the word manipulate. I'm going to say influence because I don't necessarily think that, that, that all of these uh, are for negative purposes. Sometimes, uh, wives, you're trying to influence your husband toward a very good thing. You're just, uh, what God's word is to you today is that you're just using the wrong way, okay? You can do the right thing the wrong way. Or maybe maybe what God's word is speaking to you today is you, you are not only doing the wrong way, but you're also doing the wrong thing. You're trying to get your husband to do just what you want. Um, not even necessarily what, what God wants. But let me just read these nine ways that married women uh, can influence their husbands in their own strength. The first one is, these are a little funny. Hope you can have fun with this. The first one is a leaky faucet, a complaining or nagging until he gives you what you want or he follows God the way you think he should. Second of all, a playing trial lawyer, verbally out-talking him and shutting him down with her verbal skills. Number three, the blame game. This is where a woman is making her husband feel like he is responsible for her unhappiness, for her anger, for or her sadness. Honey, if only you made more money, were home more, or had a better job, then, 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 blame game. 
Number four, clue. This is where a wife is expecting her husband to read her mind, but giving little in the way of clues, you know, sighing or pouting or giving one word answers. And when he asks what's wrong, answering, oh, nothing, nothing. It's clue. Number five, smoke signals. That's the banging pots and pans around in the kitchen to make the point that you're doing the dishes without actually coming out and asking for help. Number six, waterworks. Colin Smith notes that most men don't like seeing a woman crying, so even when he thinks he's right, he'll usually soften to stop the crying. Honey, if only you would come to church, if, if only our kids could see a, a model husband and, and, and crying and carrying to maneuver your husband, to influence your husband, to do what he should do, but not in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number seven, angling. That's withholding sex or using sex to get what she wants. Number eight, guilt trip. Laying a guilt trip on him, telling him how disappointed she is in him. Number nine is the performance trap, making him feel inadequate. We're the only ones I know who haven't been to Disney World or who don't go to a church together or who don't get involved in a small group as a family or don't. We're the only family that I know that doesn't take their kids to student ministry. You're the only husband I know who doesn't get up and do devotions with the kids. Um, it's a performance trap. Now, I realize these three, these nine can have influence. Well, there's no doubt that a husband uh, right here can be influenced by all nine of these. And, and maybe some of you wives are experts in a few of these. That's not what God wants for you. God doesn't want you to use manipulation or fleshly ways of winning over your husband. God wants your husband's heart won over. He does. But he doesn't want you to do it the wrong way. Let me encourage you here for a minute. Let, let to do this God's way. I want to tell you one of the most exciting things that God could have for you as a wife for the rest of your life is you changing how you approach your husband and letting God's spirit do what only God can do. Now, let me ask you this as a wife. Is the greatest thing you want to simply um, 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 twist and maneuver your husband, uh, um, kind of like Play-Doh and maneuvering the Play-Doh to kind of make him into something that resembles a godly husband? Is that your greatest desire? Or would the greatest thing for the rest of your life be to see the Holy Spirit working in your husband to the point where your husband bows the knee to Jesus Christ, where your husband daily uh, sets his heart before Jesus Christ and, and follows the word of Christ. I'm, I'm going to urge you, women. God wants to use you in the latter. God wants him to use you to influence your husband toward the cross of Jesus Christ. So how is it that God wants wives to influence their husband? How is a husband to be won over? There's a your way, we talked about that, uh, the fleshly way, or there's God's way. There's God's way to win over a husband. Notice what it says here. It says, it says, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, at surface level, that looks crazy. Are you kidding me, pastor? Are you, are you kidding me? You want me to win my husband over without even a word? Now, there's a bit of a contrast there in the text, a little bit of a play on words. Notice that before it said, if your husband does not obey the word, then you're to win him over without a word. But aren't I supposed to give him God's word? Aren't I, aren't I, how can I possibly communicate with him without using um, some words? 
Well, again, I would tell you, it doesn't mean never use words. Um, it doesn't, it means not using it as the primary way of influencing him. So when it says to be one without a word, what is it saying? Well, as it says, to win him over by conduct. But to men, a talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. But actions are like a picture that speaks a thousand words. Now, look at here the text. It says that your husband, when he sees, when he sees your respectful and pure conduct, what is he supposed to be saying? What is this respectful and pure conduct? Is, is it just saying that, uh, Oh, if you respect your husband, if you, if you, when he sees your respect, he's going to be impacted. The, the respect is not supposed to be uh, directed uh, toward him. Now, respecting your husband, as Ephesians 5.33 says, is a very important thing. And yes, you do want to respect your husband. But when it's talking here in the text, it's talking about fearing God. It's talking about when a husband sees his wife loving God so much, that her conduct, the way she lives, her actions are changed, are penetrated by the Spirit and lived out as she walks by the Spirit in such a way that her life is different and he sees how different she is. Now, why is this important? I want you to think for a second, wives, that God's not trying to just make you play gospel charades, okay? He's not making you, uh, you just got to act it out until he sort of figures it out. That's not the point. That's not the point. I want you to think how God has won us over in Jesus Christ. Okay, when I read the Old Testament, and I certainly see God interacting with people and some great uh, things, but God did not write a first Jeremiah, a second Jeremiah, a third Jeremiah, a fourth Jeremiah, a fifth Jeremiah, and keep sending us love letters. He didn't keep trying to just keep more communication. If I, if I just send another five prophets, that's going to solve the problem. I, if I just keep sending messengers, then they'll finally, that, that didn't work. That didn't work. In the end, God himself, you might say, stopped talking and took on human flesh in Jesus Christ and showed us the fact that he loved us. Okay? I realize he said some things too. But the primary thing about the Gospels, Jesus Christ came. He lived out. We watched his conduct. We watched his love for the Father. And we saw his love for us in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, what God's calling you to do is the same thing. It's living out. It's becoming incarnational. It's, it's, it's exhibiting the Gospel for your husband, not just to hear, but to see. You know, I think a lot has been said about the love languages. Uh, when I think about the love languages, that uh, we could talk about that in marriage. That's a, a great discussion. Uh, you've heard of the five love languages, words of affirmation, equality time, acts of service, uh, gifts, physical touch. You know, if you study those, you know that uh, a person's love language is how they uh, receive love in the most, yes, you could say the most effective way. Okay. Um, I want to take that thought for a second and think about what is a husband's transformational language. You know, for women, I think women are more verbal than men. That's well documented. But I want you to think about your husband for a minute. When God is using you in his life as his helper, as his um, influencer, men are more influenced by actions typically than they are by words. Actions are his transformational language. Um, 
And I want to encourage you, women, women, the goal is not to talk your husband into heaven, to talk his ears off because his ears are not his primary transformation language. Let me, let me give you a quick statement. You don't want to be, you don't want to be talking his eyes off. Okay. Don't talk your husband's eyes off. He needs to see it. Honey, honey, I'll change when you change. I'll, 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 we'll live out the gospel together when you lead like this. Um, that's not how it works. God is reaching out to you to be the beautiful, awesome, dynamic testament to the gospel of Jesus Christ in your actions in such a way that the husband is so impacted by the actions of his wife. Does that guarantee that your husband will change? No. But no doubt, every husband who sees the actions of a godly wife living out the gospel, there's no doubt he will be impacted. And in many cases, tremendously influenced and transformed. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.